0: Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, it's the Midnight Freight Broker Podcast. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. Let's talk freight. All right, Midnight Freight Broker Nation, let's get right into it. Episode 42, and the topic of today's episode is going to be should... Freight brokers have to disclose their rates to carriers. So we're going to get into that. But first, sports. Okay? I've got a quick update here on MLB and also on the NFL. So first off, MLB, its going. it looks like it's official now. 60-game season. My thoughts on this. Okay. So I initially hated the idea of a short season. My thoughts were you know, is it even worth watching? Is there that much competition? And then, you know, in a discussion I had last week with a friend of mine, we were kind of talking about how important each game will truly be, almost like in football, where every single game is that important. If you have one loss, it's devastating. So, uh, whereas in baseball, you can get swept in an entire series, and it doesn't destroy your season, okay? Uh, So, 60-game season coming up. Uh, Interested to see how it pans out, uh, there was a lot of discussion on ESPN with, you know, uh, what does a um, you know a leading record look like? You know, is it something like 45 wins or 43 wins, something like that? Talking about um, certain stats and how they're going to look. Could someone have a 400 batting average um, just because it's a short window of time and you don't have 162 games to, to get a, a good um, average overall? So it'll be cool. I'm just glad there's some baseball. All right, I know I'm a big Red Sox fan myself. They're under some scrutiny lately with the, uh, the scandals from last year. I, you got to love professional sports and all the, the BS that goes on behind the scenes. So no one can ever just be clean and fair. There's always a little drama going on, just like back in high school. So that's MLB. NFL. This was actually interesting. So uh, NFL released a list of five coronavirus risks and what to do to mitigate them. Um, so the five. And they were in this order. Uh, Not that they're any more risky based on the order, but here's how they listed them. Number one was to establish an acceptable amount of risk. I agree, because there's an acceptable amount of risk in anything we do in our day-to-day lives. Like, for example, driving a car down a highway when people can get in a car accident. Or um, you name it. You could be bungee jumping or walking down the street or taking certain medication. There's risks to anything, okay? So establish the acceptable level of risk, just like how the players have risk with a fully high-contact sport like football already is. Okay, next. Determine where football and social distancing intersect. This is interesting, and I don't really have much input on this because I'm not a professional when it comes to uh, the health world in general, so I don't want to tell you or give my opinion on that, but it'll be interesting to see uh, what they decide. Number three, understand the impact of a second wave and or a flu season. Uh, so we've always had flu season you know, since footballs existed. So this is a another, I guess, addition or version of a flu season um, or the second wave, right? So have to understand the impact of that and what it could mean. Um, that could be, which number four is, managing inevitable roster openings. That could be players are sick, right? They're out. So you have to, you know, and same with fans and having fans in the stadium. So, um, but that fourth one, even imagine the inevitable roster openings, you could see people on the, the injured letter on the injury reports. And, you know, it's not cause they pulled a hammy or, you know, busted their shoulder. It's cause they tested positive for COVID. It's, it's crazy to think about, but this is, this is the new age we live in. Um, uh, and number five, eliminate and eliminate incentive to hide illness or play through symptoms. um, there should never be an incentive to hide illness or play through symptoms anyway, but they should almost not eliminate the incentive. We should do something um, the opposite. So, you know, that comes down to coaching and overall, I guess the, the climate of the team, you know, the the environment that their coaches set for them. So having that and, you know, having good staff to monitor folks and, you know, this is going to be an interesting season overall, but I get it. Players want to have, You know, have the time out there on the field, and they don't want to have to stop because of coronavirus and stuff like that. So, interesting take on sports. Okay, this topic for today about brokers disclosing their rates to carriers, all right? It's an article. It's the topic. It's all-inclusive. We're going to talk about it today. I brought it up in the past, and I was reading some stuff on LinkedIn and Facebook yesterday, and it just kind of pissed me off. So, I wanted to do an entire episode on it. So, here we go. So, a little background on it, okay? Obviously, in the last couple of months, we've had, well, actually, for as long as I can remember, carriers and brokers bash each other, okay? It's come to a culminating point in the last couple of months when coronavirus struck America and businesses are shut down, freight volumes have drastically decreased, or they did during this time or that time. And because of that, there's a struggle between carriers and brokers on, you know, how much the broker's margin is, and then the whole regulation was brought to light that, well, brokers are actually supposed to be disclosing, or they're supposed to be maintaining the records of all this stuff and then disclosing it at request. So, you know, that's the background. There's a lot of complaining happening from the carriers. So then they go to Washington, D.C., and have these protests, okay? A bunch of trucks go down there, and they're, you know, parking all around the city or in the, I guess, the political zones there. I'm not a huge D.C. expert. Um, And then they get the attention of the media and the attention of the White House. So Donald Trump has a tweet and basically says that, uh, you know, there's possible price gouging, and he stands with the truckers and, he also, you know, he was in an interview the one day and there's honking in the background and the, the interviewer was like, oh, they're out there and they're angry about something. He's like, no, they're, they're out there supporting me right now. So um, I just think that wh- whatever you think about Trump, I don't, I don't think he was fully aware of the full situation when he made either of those statements. Um, so that happened. And then finally, carriers or I guess the representation for the carriers met with White House officials and some staff, and they sat down, had a conversation, and the outcome was that they put it back in the car- carrier rep's hands and said, we want you to give us some solutions on how to fix this. So that's where we left it off the last time I talked about it. So what is the current regulation? The current regulation states that brokers... Are required to keep rec- their records of all the transactions that they have, and that any party involved ha- has the ability to review those transactions. So that could be, you know, something as simple as they want to see the rate that the customer paid, um, or you know, really anything that goes into it. All right, so that's the current regulation. Now, what came out of all this? So the representation of the carriers wrote a letter back to the White House, I guess to Congress, and listed all kinds of feedback and gave their two solutions. Okay, so what did they say? Um, So the problem, well, first of all, not only did they write this letter, in the letter, they said that they want regulations to be put in in the next COVID bill that comes out, the next COVID relief bill. So just like the crazy stuff that happened in the past months with these coronavirus relief bills with all these riders. And if you don't know what a rider is, a rider is a usually uh, loosely related or totally unrelated piece of legislation that gets wrapped or rolled into another bigger piece of legislation. So someone might say, well, yeah, I'll vote for this COVID relief bill, but not if you or only if you also include this trucking regulation that we're going to slide in here so and then if that gets held up then you got people waiting for their relief stuff and bill or money for covid all because someone tried to slip a, a rider in there about transportation so all right so that's what they want now what did they list in the article or in their in their letter to congress they listed the two big problems with the current situation and two possible solutions so the two big problems the first problem was that carriers Many times when they fill out a packet with a broker to get a load from them, part of the stipulation of their broker carrier contract is that the broker is requesting or requiring for them to waive their right to be able to access all this information. So yes, there's there's a regulation out there that says brokers need to maintain records and that any party, including the carrier, is able to request and view that info. So what does the broker do sometimes? They have a clause in their contract that actually states you're going to waive that right. Um, I've never seen one of those before. But there's also over 20,000 licensed brokers in the U.S., and some of them do things differently. So I've never seen that, but it was actually interesting. They gave an example, basically the the example from a, a large national broker. This, the clause in the, in the broker-carrier contract says, quote, carrier... Shall not claim or demand in whole or in any part broker's commissions earned by redacted on shipments tendered under this contract. Redacted shall not be required to disclose the amount of its broker's commission to carrier and carrier exp- expressive. Wow, I can't talk. And carrier expressly waives its right to receive and review information, including broker's commission information, pursuant to blah, 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 blah some um, code regulation. All right, so it's actually a fair example, um, and I'm actually not surprised that that's in there because I'll get to my whole thought on the regulation itself uh, towards the end here. Uh, but interesting. Now, problem number two: hurdles to access records. So the whole statement here had to do with well, as carriers, we're often on the road and we're you know we're not in close proximity. So what some brokers will do to circumvent this this rule or regulation is say, sure, you can access this information, but it has to be in person during our office hours from 8 to 5 Eastern. Oh, you're hauling a load from me out west? Hmm, I guess you're going to have to drive all the way out east to come get that and make sure it's during office hours. So they brought up those two problems. Um, I won't give my thoughts necessarily on that, but those are the two problems that they listed. Now the two solutions. Here's what I thought was just phenomenal and such a – I don't know, not really phenomenal because I'm not a big fan of this. But interesting way to to go about this. So solution number one is, and I'm going to read this verbatim. Solution one, require brokers to immediately provide an electronic copy of each transaction record as required by 49 CFR 371.3 once the contractual service has been completed. No exceptions. This would allow carriers to identify brokers who truly are taking advantage of them during the crisis as well as after it. Solution number two. Explicitly prohibit brokers from including any provision in their contracts that require a carrier to waive the rights to access transaction records as required by 49 CFR 371.3. Okay, so those are your two problems and your two solutions. Now, what do I think about it? Uh, I don't like it. I think that brokers have a good place, or actually, I'm sorry, Brokers have a realistic place in the supply chain. They have a huge value add, and carriers need brokers just like brokers need carriers, okay? Um, now, what is happening since all this has gone down? The U.S. DOT has started investigating violations, all right? Um, that being said, about a month ago when this all was happening, there was not a single violation with proof brought forward to the DOT. But now... As of, like, yesterday, there's articles coming out saying that, yes, they're looking into certain stuff. And I'm curious to see how that all happens, okay? I don't know. It'll be interesting. Now, so investigating violations. Personally, I think legislation should be made to remove the requirement altogether. Why should a carrier be able to see what a broker is getting paid by their customer? because There's a whole bigger picture to all of this, okay? A broker might take or a carrier might take a single load from a broker and then move on, right? They go through brokers a dime a dozen because they just want the lane that fits with them, all right? Now, a broker is continuously working with the same customer if they're a good broker, right? That's all part of the good broker, good customer relationship. You have a huge long term relationship, a lot of value add, a lot of problem solving, a lot of logistician type of solutions that go into that, right? So, one specific load does not it's not a, a good it's not a good way to really analyze the entire relationship right so for example a broker might do 100 loads in a given month for a certain customer right is every single load at the same margin at the same profit probably not right a lot of times brokers take a loss on certain lanes okay because they're going to make up for it on other lanes so the whole picture is what you probably want to look at. So, what happens if a carrier finds out they request information, they get, and they find out, well, the broker actually lost money on this. So then, should the broker be able to go back and say, well, hey, carrier, uh, you need to pay me back because I actually lost money there, and you're a terrible carrier for for taking that at such a low, or, you know at such a high amount when I was losing money on it? No, come on. This is part of the free market, capitalistic society that we live in in America, right? You can take a loss if you want to. You can make a big profit if you want to, right? You have the ability to set your prices however you want to. Think back to the Motor Carrier Act of 1980, all right? This is something that was going on all throughout the 70s, and finally, in the 1980, when they had that act, it was great because it deregulated the, the transportation industry overall, so trucking specifically. There are no more required rates based on commodity or based on lane or based on equipment type, right? That is something that opened the marketplace up. Further, when one of the carriers was having an interview with, um, um, someone from the White House staff or whatever in Washington, he said, you know, do you think the, the White House or the, I guess the government guy said, um, are you asking for, you know, some kind of cap on profit? And the response from the carrier rep was, well, no, I don't think that's American. And then the DC guy says, well, good. And winks at him and says, cause that ain't ever going to happen. Um, because hey, we live in a free market society, and I agree with them. All right, so Congress is not going to change your rates, carriers. All right, it's not going to happen. All right, we're not going to go back to what we were doing, 30 years ago, or sorry, 40 years ago. Because there's a reason it was all deregulated. Okay. Um, further, let's talk about back solicitation. Why is so? Why should this regulation altogether be tossed out? In my opinion, back solicitation. Okay, um, protecting your rate. With your customer from the carrier, so let's say you have a shipper and you know they're gonna pay two thousand bucks for a load, and you're gonna hire a carrier to move it for uh, eighteen hundred. All right, you got a two hundred dollars profit, ten percent. Uh, now, right, carrier finds out it's getting two grand, and I only get eighteen hundred. And now I got all this information. I know who the, the customer is and how much it was paid and all this. Let me call them and say, hey, buddy, next time, why don't you just call me directly? I'll do it for 1900 and I'll save you 100 bucks, right? Well, that's exactly why back solicitation is a huge risk here when you're going to disclose all this information, okay? Um, there's been discussions about putting an NDA, so a non-disclosure agreement in place. So, yes, if a carrier were to have access to this information, By signing this form, you are not allowed to disclose that or back solicit. Let's be honest. Does this ever happen 100% of the time, though? No. People sign NDAs, and they run their mouth every single day. Further, people, whether it's a carrier or whoever, they back solicit all the time. Brokers back solicit. You might have a broker whose customer is a freight forwarder or another 3PL, and then they can go back solicit right to the shipper. Um, It happens all the time. It's just a bad thing. Those are bad Bad examples of brokers and carriers altogether. Um, But requiring the disclosure of all that information just adds fuel to the fire. You're just asking for a bad situation. Okay. Um, All right. Further, government regulations are bad most of the time. Right. Whenever there's a government regulation, they're usually taking away a right or a freedom of some person, party, entity, whatever. Okay. Um, Free market is good. And again, back to the Motor Carrier Act of 1980, there's a reason that these regulations were stripped away 40 years ago when it came to pricing and profits and all that stuff. So are there government regulations that are good? Yes. So it's not a a blanket statement that's always 100% true, but in this case, I think that it's bad, okay? Like I said before, brokers have value to carriers, just like carriers have value to brokers. So just like a broker shouldn't have to, like I said before, right? The carrier might see, oh, the broker only—they're getting paid this much, and I'm getting screwed. Well, what about the times when the broker takes a loss, and will just about pay anything for a carrier to haul that load, so to, to maintain that customer relationship? It's not going to go both ways, all right? Now, like I said, some loads are at a loss, some are at a gain. Now, here's a, here's another point. Carriers, you have every right in the world to go. Solicit your own customers directly. I've said this before and I'll say it again. You rely on brokers and you pay a fee to brokers in the form of a brokerage profit, essentially, in order to get access to a desirable shipment for you. Okay. Now you can complain that, well, there's not enough desirable shipments, not paying enough. Well, that's the market? That is the market. What happens when there was a shortage of toilet paper or hand sanitizer? People are selling it online and gouging. And yes, in a pandemic, Government stepped in, took care of some stuff. Uh, but hey, look at the supply and demand of stocks or precious metals or baseball cards. Well, you name it, right? There's going to be a increase in price when the demand goes up, especially when the supply goes down. That's just how economics works, all right? You can take whatever load you want to. You can solicit whatever customer directly you want to as long as you're not back soliciting and being a – S-H-I-T bag about it. I don't want to have to have the explicit mark on my podcast here. Uh, But you are more than welcome to do all of those things, okay? Um, That being said, I think that brokers and carriers need to just hug it out, get along, move forward. Everyone's stressed out. It's the pandemic. Let's just move on and get back to how things were. Still hating each other, but just not as much. All right, so a little recap here. The background, all, all of it. We know what the regulations are. Um, they should be stripped, in my opinion. We had the two problems that were brought up by carriers, the two solutions, the investigations going on currently, um, back solicitation issues, government regulations, Motor Carrier Act of 1980, and the whole broker value to the carrier. So, my overall take I don't like the regulation. Get rid of it altogether. Don't do anything in addition. But, uh, yeah, take it away. I think it's free markets, capitalism, and that's, that's the way America is. Okay, rant over. Trending in social media before we wrap this one up. So I got three good questions here. Liddell says, and this comes from Facebook, Liddell says, customer, I have a customer shipping into Canada, and I'm a broker. Can I, as a U.S. broker, can I ship, can I move that shipment into Canada? Absolutely can so what what it, what it really matters is if you're doing – as a broker, if you're doing any kind of shipment that's out of the norm, whether it's hazmat or international or oversized, you should definitely be familiar and comfortable with discussing and working through any of the issues and requirements that go with that kind of shipment. Now, what are the actual requirements? Well, the shipper is required to prepare all customs and border crossing documents, okay, and the carrier is required to – uh, be authorized to haul into that country. okay? So like a lot in Buffalo, New York area, there it's a border crossing, there's three of them. There are three bridges. So a lot of the carriers up here have a have a dual authority. They can, they can haul in the US or in Canada. seen a lot of customers that will, obviously a lot of trans transborder shipments and business between New York and Canada. So you have pickups in Ontario that deliver in New York or pick up some New York to deliver in Ontario, all kinds of stuff like that. So, um, yes, you can definitely do that. And that would be one more way to add another option into your into your wheelhouse, what you can handle. So definitely, uh, definitely go do that. Next question. Charlene, what are your thoughts on purchasing a direct shipper list? Not a big fan. So a direct shipper list would be, just like it sounds like, a list of, Shippers that you could otherwise get for free if you just Googled them. Okay. I went over on a previous episode how to use a Chamber of Commerce directory to find shipping contacts. Um, There are all kinds of ways. You can use LinkedIn, there's Zoom info, and there is Googling. Um, You know, what happened to the old cold calling and just old school networking? Because what happens when you buy a shipper list? What you have a phone number and then what you still have to get in contact and close that customer. If they're going to be actually be a, a shipper of yours. So buying a shipper list doesn't really do anything for you. In my opinion, other than saving you time from organizing and gathering the free data yourself. But I don't know. Uh third question, Jerry, uh, what are your thoughts on brokering after normal business hours? Have you had any success? I'm a huge fan of this, all right? The nine-to-five brokers across America are the reason that people that work after normal business hours or on the weekends can make a lot of money. And by make a lot of money, I don't mean by screwing carriers over. I mean by, hey, there's less competition for the handling and coordination of those shipments after hours and mo- more so on the weekends. So like holidays and weekends, if a customer or uh, you know, a shipper in general has a shipment to go out and nine-to-fivers, Monday-to-Friday are not there, well, guess what? Whether it's a load list or you're just calling that customer, when that shipment's there and you're, like, the only one calling, you got literally essentially no competition. So I'm a huge fan of it, especially prospecting too, right? A lot of times these folks are super busy during the day, and if you get them, you know, you get the the folks that are on the evening shift that are maybe setting up the next day's shipments. That's a great time to college start networking and get your foot in the door for prospecting, but more so for, for uh, actually getting shipments as well. So big fan of it. Um, I love it. Good questions from all three. So uh, those are my thoughts overall today. A little bit of a rant there when it comes to the, the brokers and carrier stuff. I want to know your thoughts on it though, right? If you're, and I never even did my little intro rant here. So, you know, first time listener, Thanks for listening. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get the latest content when it drops on Fridays every week at midnight. Make sure to share me with all your friends and colleagues in the industry. Okay, Um, But more so, if you are a freight broker, experienced, and you've had some crazy stuff happen in the last few months, and you're looking for a new outlet, new place to broker, get in touch with me. I've got a lot of connections, a lot of people looking to, to bring on... W-2s, agents, all that good stuff. So give me a shout. Let me know. My LinkedIn is in the show notes. Happy to talk to you. Um, Let me know your thoughts. If anyone wants to argue me or debate me on this carrier broker issue that I went through, happy to do it. Happy to do it. So that's it for today. Until next time, let's go Bills. That wraps up this episode of the Midnight Freight Broker Podcast. Thanks for joining and make sure to leave a review and check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that I referenced on this episode and feel free to add and message me on LinkedIn for suggestions for future topics. See you on the next episode.